We're back to Neil Haley show here on the Total Celebrity segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Harold Jackson III. How are you, Harold? Thanks for coming by, man. I'm good, Neil. Thank you for having me. All right, we're going to talk about Liam White, but let's talk about your career, first of all, like and just how you got involved. Did you always want to be an actor, director, all that stuff? Was that what you were thinking about when you were a kid? Uh, no, no, no. I, I think I always wanted to make films. Um, um, definitely not anything in front of the camera. And I know that never uh, uh, turned me on at all. Um, but, you know, behind the camera, uh, directing, filmmaking, producing, um, I think I always wanted to do that. I, um, um, I, I come from a fairly large uh, family. You know, I only have one brother, but I have a ton of cousins and uncles and that kind of thing. And um, they're, they're, they're very much uh, sort of amateur film buffs, if you will. So they, they enjoy a good time. Uh, with with uh, films and just seeing them enjoy themselves has always been something I wanted to do for people. All right, so let's just jump right, you know, specifically into uh, your career and the projects I guess you're most proud of. I'm sure every one of the projects, but kind of go to the ones you want to talk about most. And say, you know, especially the one you got acclaimed for as well. That's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've 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 made a few films uh, in my career. Um, um, like like any filmmaker, I think if they're being honest with themselves, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. You know, sometimes it's a home run, sometimes it's a line drive, a bunt single, and sometimes you know you strike out. But um, with with that said, I think uh, the first film that kind of put me on the map was a film called uh, Last Night that I did in maybe 2014, 2015, something like that, um, and that did really well. It won a bunch of uh, film festival awards. It um, it sort of it sort of put my name out there, and people started to take notice a little bit um, from that film. And that film stars a, a couple of wonderful actors, um, uh, an actor named Danny Gavigan, and then uh, another actor named uh, Judy uh, Johnson. Um, and they're both uh, really wonderful people. So uh, I'm glad that was a success for not only myself but for them as well. Um, and then I think the the film I'm most proudest of is 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 my latest film. It's a film called the. Uh, uh, the forgettable life of Liam White, um, and uh, it's just uh, it, it turned out it's one of the first films that I can I can it's probably the first film that I can watch that I've made that I can watch from beginning to end. So um, um, I'm really proud of that one. Yeah. All right. So you're proud of the the, the current one, and that's the way to definitely talk about yeah. it. And it was it how long in this process to get this film made? That's always the big challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it is. Um, we actually we actually shot it during the during the pandemic. Um, so we shot it. We, we we were COVID protocol masked, the whole deal and tests and and uh, so we shot it in December of late November, early December of twenty uh, uh, twenty two or twenty twenty twenty. Excuse me, twenty twenty. Um, so it's a relative. It's you know it's sort of fresh off the press and, and ready to go kind of thing. Um, there was surprisingly, I, there's, there is usually a battle to get, get films made. Um, but for whatever reason, this film sort of came together really quickly. I wrote it, um, early, uh, actually probably right before everything sort of went haywire with COVID. And then, um, once the sort of the dust relatively settled and we realized that, uh, productions were still going in some cases, and it looked like another shutdown was going to come around soon. Um, we decided to jump on that window and everybody was down to do it. So coming up with the storyline, how did you come up with this? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so uh, uh, 
the the character Liam White was actually a side side character in a series that I wrote. Um, and then when it was done, I ultimately, uh, it just wasn't that good. I wasn't that happy with it. So I, just, I decided to sort of uh, put it back in the oven and maybe take it out one day. Um, but I really liked the character, Liam. Um, he was just known as Liam in the, um, in the series. Um, but I really liked the character, Liam. Um, so I started, you know, for some reason he stuck with me and then uh, I, I started to write a little bit. Um, I took actually the opening scene from the film is uh, almost word for word taken from the series that I eventually scrapped um, where he's visited by the main character of the series and she listens to him at a book reading, uh, read those words. And then I, I just sort of springboarded from that and, and, and created the story around that character. Interesting. So that's pretty much uh, how it developed. So tell us about the storyline without giving everything away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, um, I tell everybody it's it, it's before I tell you the storyline. It sounds like a Debbie Downer, but it's not. It's, it, to me, it's borderline a comedy. Um, I I really think it's it's a pretty funny film. Um, even those dealing with pretty uh, heavy uh, subject matter. Um, it's um, so it's about a a uh, uh, a author, a novelist who gets um, uh, a diagnosis that he has a terminal illness. And then from there, he sort of decides um, uh, that he's gonna reconcile with his life and with his past and with his, his parents and with all the people that sort of shaped him for better or worse. And we follow him through that journey, not only trying to reconcile with those people, some people he tells, some people he doesn't uh, tell them what's going on. Some people know, some people know partially, some people know he's sick, not that he's, um, uh, not that he's going to die soon. Um, so it's just him navigating that world and then sort of very loosely going through the stages of grief and coming to terms with, with who he is as a person before, um, uh, anything sort of finite happens to him. Um, and it's, it's, it's very much, <laughs> sounds like a Debbie Downer, but it's very much a holiday film. It's really a film about, uh, it's, it's really a film about life. We did some very, uh, interesting, uh, sort of, um, turns and nuances with that with that storyline that in theory you've probably seen that movie movie before an author gets sick and he writes his sort of last novel that makes him great and uh, that's not necessarily what the movie is about the movie is not about a character dying it's about a character being born it's more about a transition in, in stages of life than it is about uh, 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 dying all right so looking at the whole Liam White thing author do you have, because uh, again, you're a writer and director and stuff. Do you look at, did you write books as, as you? Have you been an author too? If you're putting in. Uh, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't written a novel. I've actually written a graphic novel um, and okay. had, had it illustrated uh, by a really, um, uh, a really dope young artist in the Washington DC area. His name is Anthony, Anthony Jackson. Shout out to Anthony, Anthony Jackson. Um, we haven't released it yet, but it's uh, it's really good. It's a crime crime novel. But I haven't written a novel, um, a traditional novel before. So it is kind of um, I've written many a script, but you know, novel they're different animals. I, I think any any professional will tell you that. When you speak about author author, you know, I, I, thinking about that writing your story. In a lot of ways, we all want to write a story, right? We all want to write our biography. We all want to write our memoir. And 
when do you think it's right to write a memoir and when to tell that story? You know? Um, I think the more important question may be, um, what gives you the, what gives you Neil, me, Harold, anybody out there listening, what gives you the right to not live enough to be able to tell a story? Mm. Right. Yes. So you, you were, put here even though it may be to affect this circle or a large circle but your presence is important in the grander scheme of the world so i, I think when you don't uh experience uh your life to the fullest um you, you you're doing the world a disservice so i think the bigger question is not when is it right to write a novel but but observing the fact that it's not right for you not to live. To live and to experience things that not yeah. many people get to experience. We have all the opportunities to experience. We're just a fear is what keeps us from wanting to do it. Fear yeah, is- holds us back. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was saying fear is something that keeps us, you know, to, to say, I'm not going to do this. What are people going to think? What, what, why do this? And say, well, let's do it. Why can't we? And what, yeah. what's, if you don't, succeed the first time you're going to succeed the next time and that's that's all you can do and i think that when people talk about writing a story write a book if it doesn't sell anything the first time go write another one and go write another one we don't become better at something instead we do it all the time and first time authors make that mistake even before they even write a biography on themselves i mean a memoir on themselves and they don't do well oh, i'm not gonna do it again no or i didn't sell. did you get joy out of this did this was this an experience how many authors are there in the world compared to everyone if you walk down the street how many people are, are authors not many how many are directors or filmmakers not everyone down the street not everyone we know so doing things that really make us happy but doing things that really uh make you feel good inside is what's important for sure yeah, definitely. Doing things that connect you to your particular purpose in this world, whatever that is, you know, whether it be cooking, uh, sports, film, uh, art, uh, uh, journalism, whatever it is that, that that you know what your purpose is and you everybody knows what it is. And they sort of run. Most people run from it or or, or sort of shove it down. Um, but I, I don't think you have a right to do that. I think you're doing the world a disservice when you when you don't um, express what 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 you've been given to give this world. Exactly. And just because somebody told you you can't do it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I said, right. why do it? Oh, you know, get a safe job or do this thing or do that. Well, if you're not living, you're missing out. So this character really, when he writes his story, even though he's going to die, he really sees he lived a life. Then is that part of what we're going to learn? It, it, I think he really connects for the first time. And, and in that process of trying to resolve some things that he thinks he's going through, I think it's the first time in his life that he actually is connecting with, with the people around him, with himself, with just the art of living, right? And, and that's, that's, that's the difference between uh, something writing something worth reading or making something worth seeing and, and not, frankly. And it's too bad that so many people just go through life not loving life and choosing to love life and missing out in life in general because there's so many opportunities and so many experiences that we can have if we choose just to do. And right. I think our, 
our personal happiness is important because I'm sure we're going to learn from this character that maybe he wasn't happy always. And now mm-hmm. he's finally finding himself from this story. Yeah. And I think, I think when we meet him, uh, he's, he's, he's not in a good place. He's not in a good place professionally. He's not in a good place personally. Um, he's making some question, questionable decisions. Um, but through this journey to sort of uh, understand who he is, I think he, he finds a level of, uh, of uh, contentment with, with himself and with his life. What feedback have you gotten from the film so far? What will people say? Um, I, I, it's been nothing but love out there, to be honest with you. I, I haven't had uh, too many uh, detractors. That's not to say that I, I you know, it's, it's something special about me. I think there's just something special about the film. Um, I think it, especially in a time like today where um, everyone sort of is questioning who they are, who they're going to be, who they were. Um, and, 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 you know, people, everyone's unsure, you know, your everybody's world has been shaken up and we're trying to put it back together. I think to watch a person do that with, with some sort of uh, genuine um, integrity and trying to, trying to come to terms with who he is. I think there's a bit of catharsis there that people like. Exactly. And it sounds like that for sure. And uh, as you said, it's funny, even though it's, it's, so it's a comedy drama, would you say? Yeah. 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 And a holiday, <laughs> and a holiday, holiday film. film. We're going to do the holiday film too. There's definite life lessons learned. Where can people watch it? Where's the best place? Yeah, yeah. So right now um, we have an exclusive uh, streaming deal with uh, Roku channel. They're they're very good people over there, and they're making some really important uh, moves in the uh, in that space in the streaming space. And I'm sure they're going to take it to the next level really soon. So we're really excited about that deal that we got with the Roku channel. Um, if you go to the Roku channel now, it's actually streaming now um, in the uh, on on the Roku channel, and you can definitely see the Forgettable Life of Liam White. Fantastic. And where can we connect with you? Are you on social media? People could connect with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look up, uh, if you Google me, Google Harold Jackson the third, make sure you put the third because there was a football player in the 70s. Um, and he, whenever, if you just put Harold Jackson in, he, he takes all my shine. So I guess you have to put the third or else you have to sift through about five different articles on that on him. Um, also uh, at Harold Jackson three, the number three, you can find me there or, 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 you know, just chase me down. I'm all over the place. We appreciate it. And your continued success as a director and writer and uh, continue to put out stories that people want to tell. And the message you bring that we need to live life to the fullest is such an important message. We appreciate you stopping by. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. You can go to my website, tolter.net, for more information. Twitter, Tolter, Neil S. Haley, Facebook. LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Tolter, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, Neil Haley, on a Periscope, at Total Tutor. And this is a guest, guests I had on before, and we've become great friends, and now it's the big show. It's time to find out what has happened to them since their last episode. So I'm excited to welcome the program celebrities Jason and Cassia Hitch, stars of TLC's hit show, 90 Day Fiance. Jason and Cassia, thanks for calling. 
Hey, thanks for, thanks for having us. Uh, I, it's, it's very interesting, Jason, that finally the date is here, October 4th. Finally, we're going to get to find out what has happened to you guys, unless we've already have been in that whole connection mode of, you know, following you on Twitter and Facebook. But this is really going to be interesting that the uh, where are they now after the last episode of 90 Day, right? Well, the, the good thing about it is is that if you just stop watching the show after the tell-all episode there in December and you see a preview of our October 4th TLC show, uh, Where Are They Now?, you're going to say, oh, my God, those two didn't kill each other? <laughs> <laughs> and why would you say that? See, because now, the last time we were kind of talking about the story, Costia, when we had you on, but now, I mean, kind of, why, why would Jason say something like that, Costia? Um, because most of the time, as all the other couples, we had our fights, too. And we fight a lot. So we can work together. Right. So so what types of things do you fight about? Well, things like um, he likes to wake up very early. I wake up like 9, 10 o'clock. I like to stay up late. I like to go to bed early. Things like that, you know. Why is that, Jason? And what what, what is the situation that you, he, she likes to get up nine ten o'clock? You can't get work started at that time, right? Well, actually, she's she's embellishing a little bit. She's more to eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, uh, getting up and uh, and staying up until three or four in the morning. But uh, you know, we, we're we're proud of our relationship and. And and just because we were a little bit more open than everybody else, and just saying it's, we realize that it's not all peaches and cream. Yeah. We continue to work on each other, and we work on ourselves, and we're totally devoted to each other, and we're willing to go the extra mile uh, for one another, and uh, and we're we're most proud of that. And, and and Cassia, when you when you first when you first got together and 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 then became mar- married and everything, what did you, were you cons- what concerns did you have? Did you think that this would be a big one about getting up at different times, different interests, things like that, Cassia? What do you mean? What do I mean, Jason? Can you kind of explain what I mean? Yeah. So basically, what I'm saying. Cassia is that once you got married, you had these thoughts of uh, of Jason. Then after the process started and you've been married for a while, what have you seen other types of things that have gone that, that have gone on in the relationship that you might have not known about Jason before? Oh, Jason can be very obsessed with something. He never he never gives up until he gets it, and it can be a little bit annoying. You know, something like, okay, you tried this 10 times, you didn't get it, so I think it's time to give up, you know? I didn't know this about him. Jason, why is that? I mean, why does why does that get under her skin? Well, um, you know, I don't know if it's a generational thing or a male-female thing or just the way I was raised, but, um, you know, when I, when I latch onto something, I am not going to give it up for anything. And uh, when I get emotionally involved with something, uh, I'm going to go all the way. And, um, you know, maybe it's just not the mentality of the millenniums. Or or maybe just Cassia thinks that um, it's just not important enough to... Yeah. You know, she may view it as a waste of time, but you know what? 
I can't tell you how many times where I've done something 10 times and I failed, but I did it one more time and I, and I hit it. So, I mean, I have a proven track record and I'm pretty proud of my resume. So I hope that people can learn from my mistakes. And that's what I try to show Kostya that, Hey, don't go down that road. I've already done it. I've made 10 mistakes. <laughs> now, Kostya, uh, now what, now when you were saying specifically, do you think you've picked up a lot of uh, some American millennial attitude since you've come to the States? American attitude? Yeah, attitude, uh, millennial type stuff. Where a lot of Americans mm. your age uh, have that work ethic at times and, well, well I'm going to do it when I want to do it and things like that. Well, Jason's like structured, organized. I got to get this done when I got to get this done. And you're more like laissez-faire, hands-off type. Okay, when it happens, it comes, it happens. Not yeah. a sense of uh, was growing up. In Brazil, were you the same way, or is it kind of, uh, kind of the American attitude is, the, of the younger generation has kind of rubbed off on you since you've come to the states? Mm-hmm. Like when I lived in Brazil, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I just had to go to college, get my grades good, go to work, have my money and spend, and everything I wanted. I didn't want, I didn't need to give my mom any money to put in the house. I didn't need to help to take care of my sisters. My mom was not really on my case, like, oh, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. She let me, like, live my life, you know? But with Jason, he, as you said, he doesn't like me to commit the the same mistake as he did. So he tries to make me not do certain things because he says, okay, it will not work even though I want to try it and see for myself. Yeah. It's very protective. I, I see. Uh, and, and, and Jason, so it is in a lot of ways, it's just like getting used to explaining to her why this is such an important thing through your wisdom you've developed in time for when you were her age you had the same kind of ideals and thought process, and you're saying that that the road I went down because of that? Every day, I am the teacher. I am the mentor. I am the leader. I am the father. I am the husband. Um, I am all of the above when it comes to Kasia. We're going to do it this way, and this is why. And she says, well, what, what about doing it this way? I say, no. I've done it that way. We wasted a lot of money. We wasted a lot of time. So, yes, I get frustrated sometimes when I have to go on a long-winded lecture on why we're going to do something, because sometimes the time just doesn't allow for it. And that's when I get frustrated, and, of course, she gets uh, agitated and annoyed. And then that's when the um, the, 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 the mushroom blows up, mm-hmm. as you would say. Um because I, I just can't do the lectures. Every time we try to do a task, we're making chicken salad this afternoon or running to the store to get bread. And um, we're just going to have to continue to um, to work on our communication. I think that's when we need to talk to one of your, your previous guests, John Gray. I'm trying. So I, I reached out to the publicist, but I'm going to try by just calling John myself the office. And maybe we can get also his, his daughter on, too, as a relation expert as well. 
So I, I was already thinking about this, but you know what? I'll, I'll be the relations expert in this one. As again, we're talking to Jason and Cassia Hitch, uh, stars of the TLC's hit show, 90 Day Fiance. And what we're, I guess we're finding out is that the Where Are They Now episode that airs October 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Is that correct? Is that the correct time slot, Jason? Uh, yes, that's uh, TLC Channel 280 on DirecTV, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central. October 4th, Sunday night. Sunday night, and I tell you, I will be tuning in, trust me, I, and I will be live tweeting with Jason and Cassia. I can't wait to, to watch that yeah. and, and, and see what TLC types of situations occur. But it's going to be a very, very, very interesting uh, show to say the least, and we do have uh, a possible phone call guest on the line, and we'll see who that is. And wouldn't that be funny if it was John Gray? But we, this is going to be interesting. This live show and how much editing I'll have to do with this one uh, after it's over. But I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I like to just go with the flow. So we'll, we're going to take a caller, but and see if they have a question for Jason and Cassia. And I'm going to say, hey, welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. Do you have a question for Jason and Cassia? Uh, yes, yes. Hi. Um, are you there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, great. So my name is Kevin from Los Angeles, actually North Hollywood. And uh, I've been watching the show. I think they're a very interesting couple. And I'm wondering if they think that they would have lasted um, this long, essentially, with the fact that they're such, well, different kind of people, you know what I mean? Different personalities, different cultural backgrounds, different hemispheres. Let's let's have well, Kevin. You bring you bring up a you like, bring up a good point. Uh, yeah. You know, can can the yin and the yang get along? Uh, can uh, can, can those kind of people work together uh, if they have a devotion and a respect for each other? And um, and I and I tend to say yes. Um, I'm I'm devoted to this woman uh, through hell or high water, and and uh, we're gonna go uh, we're gonna go the extra mile and, and uh, put each other first. Um, that's what we're gonna do, Kevin. Yeah, and uh, we always have people asking like, why marry someone from another country? You are totally different. The languages are different, the culture is different, but the thing about this is every day we learn something new about each other, you know? Yeah. We learn the language, you know, we learn slangs, we learn new foods, everything. So everything is different. So I think that's what makes it special. Interesting. And I want to get, um, get any other questions? Yeah, let, let me ask one more thing. Like, what would you say is um, what would you say is the hardest um thing in your relationship? Um, what is the biggest obstacle for each of you, for for Jason and for Cassia? Um, yeah. Uh, biggest obstacle. Well, uh, I I do believe that the age difference is uh, is a big one because I I am I have sixteen seventeen years of of living life and dealing with thousands of people and making a thousand more mistakes than she has. I mean, I've made more mistakes in the last seventeen years than she'll see for the next seventeen years of her life just being just being with me. 
sure. And uh, and then it's just it's just not whether or not she used the, uh, the the dull knife versus the sharp knife. This is talking about just interacting with people, um, dealing with the jobs or phone calls or anything that you have to deal with in America. Um, she just is not going to be around me 24-7. She's going to have to go on her own and do things. She's got college coming up in January, and I'm not going to be around. So she needs to have um, some, you know, some tough love now, as I call it, so I can throw her out and say, hey, you're on your own, kid. Tough love. Now, now what about Cassia? Uh, what is her, um, um, what, what is your um, biggest um, obstacle, would you say, in this whole thing? Well, I think I need to listen to Jason more. I think I, uh, it's difficult to me just to accept that sometimes he's right, and I need to listen ah. to him more. Yeah, because he wants to prevent me to get hurt or to waste my time. And sometimes I don't think it's best, but I know his intentions are good. So uh, the biggest challenge for me is sometimes to accept that he is right and I'm wrong. Oh, now, so also, and, oh. and, and, and uh, thank you for your call. I'm going, I, I have some follow-up questions. And again, anyone else wants to call on 805-285-9736 if you're live or tweet at me at Total Tutor if you're listening to one of the syndicated broadcasts all over the world. So thanks again for calling. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Nice okay. to meet you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so as I cut that caller off, I am... Still trying to understand this. The first time we interviewed, we just talked about specifically the storyline of you two. Now I'm more and more saying, John Gray, we need you. And I, I'm going to have to tweet that out to John because, again, John's publicist kind of must not understood my email. But you know how publicists are. Uh-huh. That's why we all fire them. So <laughs> it's true. We can do it ourselves. Um, let's go right into this. Cassia, I'm I'm listening to you, and Jason. I think has Jason has to have, and, and being married for over as uh, fifteen years, uh, fifteen years, I have learned that if I am constantly lecturing my wife, and again, I experienced a lot more life than she has, and she's only a year and a half younger than me. It's because yeah. I was out as a professional wrestler. I traveled all over the world. I I, I experienced all these different things while she was just stuck. In, in Shaler, in Pittsburgh. So she didn't experience those things. What, what I learned from that process, we do have another caller, is that I can't constantly lecture. I can't constantly do these things because what's going to happen is the relationship is going to become more and more uh, a brother-sister relationship or a, a father-daughter relationship instead of, of, yeah. of a couple as one. So we'll get, we'll take that, but we do have another caller. I never thought I'd be uh, Doctor Phil tonight on the show, but I want to welcome our next our next caller. Uh, let's say you're on the line four one nine. Can you tell me uh, the question you have for Jason and Cassia? This is Danielle, one of the castmates, and I wanted to say hi to Jason and Cassia. Hey Danielle, nice uh, nice to get a call. Hi, Dan- Hi, Danielle. Yeah, how are you-, you guys? Fantastic. We're doing good. I wanted to ask you a question, Danielle. So you're on the same show as Jason and Cassia. So we, I have to have an, I have to have a one-on-one interview with you as well, for sure, on my show. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great. All right. So Danielle. So Danielle, do you have a question for them, or do you have a comment? Um, I have a question. How is Cassia adjusting to the U.S.? 
Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good now. In the beginning, it was kind of hard, like, especially with the food in here. I thought it was greasy. You guys eat eggs with bacon and breakfast, and now I just love it. <laughs> and the weather here is amazing because back in Brazil, the city that I lived in was rainy, and it rained almost every day. I hate it. So for me, living farther is like heaven. Interesting. Uh, That's good. Uh, any other any other comments to make, or what was your experience on the show, and what would you say? Because I, again, I have not had a chance to view watch the show. I've heard things from Jason, always talking to him on the phone about different things. But we're talking a lot of business. So Danielle, what would you say specifically you learned from the show? Um, it was okay as far as the filming, but the negativity. And the social media stuff is the part I didn't like. And I agree. And tell me what happened in social media that kind of really got rough on you, Danielle. Just uh, different rumors that Muhammad had different kinds of women and um, people just sending me nasty messages and stuff. Interesting. Okay, so, and were those rumors true or false, Danielle? They're false. They're false. So what's going on? Are we going to have to wait to the episode to find out what's going on with you two? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Okay, so do you tell us where we can find information on you? Do you have a Twitter and stuff that people can follow you? Um, We have a joint fan page, Danielle and Muhammad. Um fan page and then Muhammad has a single fan page too okay fantastic but non Twitter it's interesting everyone telling you Twitter's the way to go trust me I keep telling Jason and Cassio they're building a following and, and, and interacting and they're going to be live tweeting we will be live tweeting that entire episode on October 4th I'll be on and involved in it as well at 10pm Eastern so Danielle any other questions to ask would you be interested in a one on one interview with me on my show I'll uh, do an interview. Okay, I will make sure, Jason, you'll set that up, right? Say, hey, Neil, while we have Danielle on the phone, let me ask Danielle for one quick question. Yeah, sure. I don't know if she's just, I don't know if she just got into the show and been hearing anything what we've been saying, but uh, what would Danielle's advice about uh, the last 12 months of her marriage mm-hmm. that she could give to us that would give us a little bit more perspective? Because, you know, Danielle, I mean, let's be honest, you're a couple years older than I am. And Muhammad is uh, yeah. a few years older than than uh, than Cassia, so the age difference is not that far off. Mm-mm. And uh, you know, you and I came from the from the other side of the tracks, and, and Muhammad and Cassia came from the other side. So, do you have any two cents that you could give us um, advice? So, communication and one, and then always try to remember that their life and their country was completely different from ours. And people need to realize that it takes a long time for them to adjust to the U.S. because their cultures are so different from ours. True. And that's the other thing. And, and, and this is the thing that's happening. Everyone now is trying to, to marry someone that's exactly the same as they are. It's going to be interesting to look at compared to how opposites attract because you need a team and together as a couple, as one, to have success in a marriage. 
one per- going two different directions or being exactly the same does not bring two together as one. And when that, those differences are out there, communication is the key for everything. So, Danielle, uh, what's your, again, your Facebook fan page so people could like it? Danielle and Mohammed's um, fan page. Uh, all right. Well, fantastic. Any other questions? Nope. I think the girls are wanting to say hi to Jason and Cassia. Okay, sure. Okay, sounds good. Hey, Danielle, thank you for calling. Uh, you're welcome. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Hello. Bye. Okay. All right. So we're going to say goodbye. Take care. All right, they're off the line. So that was a surprise, Jason, wasn't it? Yeah, wow, yeah. I didn't know they were fans of your show. No, no. <laughs> Everyone's fans of my show. Come on now, Jason. Did you hear my list this week uh, of all guests? And, and you guys top it off to end the week for sure. All right, now I, I'm getting into this before, and then we're going to talk about giving some hints what we're going to tune into on Sunday night. October 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern. And it's funny you talk about and anybody has TLC. Trust me, anyone who is into reality television at times likes TLC shows till they cancel them. For example, The Duggars was our favorite show, by the way, Jason and Cassia, and and they had to cancel it just based on one little incident. But I guarantee mm-hmm. if you dig into other casts of other shows on TLC that are maybe going leaning to the left a little bit more, they would never lose their show, Jason, right? Well, you know, uh, TLC executives, I, I scratched my head in the last uh, year of what, what their uh, their new motives were or are, uh, where the direction of the entire network is going. Uh, I know that they want to jump on a lot of, um, uh, what, what do you want to call it? Each, 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 but, uh, each show has a, uh, has a message. You know, a, a nice topical message that's going on in the society today. And if it's an anti-message in, in, in the media um, and their show uh, has an incident like the Duggars, then off with your head. Um, but, um, you know, let's just say, for example, Buddy. Buddy got a DUI. He was driving 90 miles an hour in downtown Manhattan in his brand-new Corvette. You know, he didn't even get a slap on the wrist. They just just said, hey, you know, apologize, and you're back on the air to sell your books and your cakes and and um, and then he toured. He toured around. So you know, um, is there a double standard on people's um, you know criminal activity? Yeah, sure there is. The entire media, just not TLC. Well, I'm I'm working on Buddy, so I'm not going to say anything about that. Uh, so God. <laughs> uh, we love all... Buddy, but we reached out to him when he was in Tampa, and we were ignored. So that's that's what I say. What what happened? How did you reach out? You should have said, you know, I have the main the I know the publicist for. The cake boss. I was working with him one time, went down to the cake boss. We waited in line, got the hot dogs in New Jersey, you know, the whole deal with my family. And then uh, later on, I they came to me and said, just like uh, some major celebs that came calling, saying they want to be on my show already. So, okay. But let's go to this, the, 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 the really interesting part of this uh, episode. And, and, and again, is... I think Cassia and, and Jason, Jason needs to learn specifically what a relationship is. And Cassia has to learn what American relationships are like. Because in Brazil, how would you define a relationship between a man and a woman in Brazil? Is it a little different? Is, it, is the man pretty much the one in charge of most relationships in Brazil, would you say? Or is it kind of like the States, Cassia? Uh, yeah, 
you can say that men uh, take care, just like dominant in the relationship in Brazil. But the thing about it is, is that in Brazil, like when you get married, you're one. So you do everything together. You know what I mean? You go to a bar, you don't go by yourself. You go to a park, you don't go by yourself. You always with your spouse. Here in America, it looks like different. Like Jason said, oh, I need a break. I think I will just go to see a baseball game with my friend. And I said, but how can you just go to the, uh, on the baseball game with your friend and leave me at home? How can you do that? You know, if he was a Brazilian, I, I'm sure he would not do that. Why do you think, do you think that is, Cassia? Huh? The guys want to, they have enough, and they say they want to just go on their own, but then come back, and everything's okay. Leave the wife at yeah. home. Why is that an American I, thing, in a way? I don't know. I, I would like to understand why you guys do it, because for me, it's very, very hard to understand why you would like to do something without your spouse. I don't see a reason for that. Now, putting yourself in this predicament, Cassia, choosing to come to the United States and marry Jason, not knowing a lot about who Jason was, how did you, your family feel about you doing this? My family? Well, yeah. I remember when um, I told my mom I was talking to him, she said, you need to stop it now because you're crazy. You will not work. <laughs> because you're too far away, you're so different. You have your college. I want, you fo- I want you to focus on your career. I want you to finish college. Forget about it. Then, then he flew to Brazil. My mom met him. She liked him. And then he flew again in December. She liked him. And then she started supporting the relationship. But she really hated the idea of me leaving my college just one week, one year. I just needed one more year to get graduated. And I left to live with him. So she really didn't like this. All right. Well, now again, so the, the relationship is just arguments, Jason, but that's all couples and all women complain all the time, Jason. So get used to it. As John Gray told me, now I, I wish I, I had that advice my first year of marriage, but I sure as heck know it's now. Just little things. Get her little things. As, as, as you, I know you listen, Jason, that whole John Gray interview. I think we listen to it again because that's the truth uh, for sure. Now, Jason, anything else to promote? I know you guys have a business and stuff for our listeners out there so that they can get involved and check out the sites you're involved in, all that stuff, and remember again for October 4th. Go, Jason. Well, um, you know, to, to finish up here, we, um, we we did take a few of my connections I've made here in Florida, and um, we've, we've gotten real lucky here in the last uh, four or five months this summer. We have started a business called Gifting Fund, G-I-F-T-I-N-G-F-U-N.com, and it is a line of gourmet snacks that we are personalizing for customers. We're going to take your picture of you and your wife and your family on that Disney trip. And we'll be able to put a decal on top of the box and put a smaller decal on each one of our products that we have in the box. We'll give a personalized card from you to your wife, and I will send this box of snacks with the Disney photo of you and your family to your wife at home or at work or wherever she is, just to say, honey, 
I love you. And that was such a wonderful trip we took last week. Ta-da! What a great thing. And Cassia, I think the thing is that Jason's, as an entrepreneur, they don't stop thinking. Their minds continue to go. And it's hard because you probably are the kind of thought process, why doesn't he just go ahead and work for somebody, right? Is that and, and that's hard for any wife to have a husband who's an entrepreneur because you don't know when your money's coming, right? Yep. But I I love that he is an entrepreneur and he has like good ideas. He knows how to be the leader. And I trust him. So and we can work together. I don't need to get out and work somewhere else all day long and then come home and spend some time with him. We can spend time together and make money together. All right. So that's all that, thing about it. That, that's great. It is. And that's the thing you're together. And and that's important. Jason, best place to find information. All you guys, you gave us one of the websites, all the different places, social media creds. Give us, give us the lineup now. Uh, yeah. The website is uh, Jason and That's a N D com. Uh, we're on Twitter uh, at Hitch for Life, H-I-T-C-H, the number four, L-I-F-E, and we're at Cassia Tavares uh, on Twitter. And uh, our public page on uh, on Facebook, Jason and Cassia, and in um, our new business, GiftingFund.com, where if you're a business trying to rebrand your business and send a thank you gift because you sold a car or you sold a house, or you're trying to facilitate new customers, you can put your logo on our box and we can mail it out. If you are a family member um, of any sort and you want to send a box up to that special someone, you can use our box of snacks and we will mail it to anyone anywhere in the world. And we're very proud of this. So, um, Neil, uh, you've, been, uh, you've been wonderful. And uh, it sounds like to me we'll, uh, we'll see you on Twitter. We'll do a live Tweet. Uh, Twitter feed. Yes, live um, tweet, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Eastern, October 4th, uh, TLC. And with Vlad uh, tweets saying, we don't want Jason and Cassia to leave. We want them back on TLC in some show. That's the big thing. And then also, again, Cassia has some things to talk about based on uh, immigration and things like that. You got to just contact them, and they'll be, they're, they're available all the time. So take care, guys. Thanks for calling. You bet. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show. I'm excited to welcome the program. Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, great, Neil. How are you? Great. So let's just go to some topics that Tom would like to discuss. Which one do you want to bring up first, Tom, when all the craziness happening now? Well, um, I suppose... Um, on the top of my agenda would be um, getting down to the answer to the puzzle of why it is that our governor, Ron DeSantis, has not encouraged the state legislature to authorize a full and complete forensic audit of the November 3rd presidential election. Oh, okay. All right. So why do you think that's happening? I have a theory, but it's only a theory. Um, I believe that there would be hardcore evidence of um, ballot harvesting 
by Republicans in Sarasota County, among other counties, uh, that they don't want to uh, have exposed because obviously um, the governor is calling now for ballot harvesting to become a felony here in Florida. And it so happens that our state chairman, Joe Gruters, and our state vice chairman, Christian Ziegler, um, are out of Sarasota County, and they admittedly, admittedly engaged in ballot harvesting in the past. And now they don't want to get egg on their face for something that the governor is, is, wants to have classified as a felony. So a, a, a full forensic audit would, I believe, expose Republicans engaging in ballot harvesting in a similar fashion that the Democrats have done it here in Palm Beach County and in Broward County. Wow. That, you know, uh, it's crazy. This, that it's, there's always an agenda, isn't there? There is. Now, there's, there's, there's plenty of uh, Band-Aid approaches to election integrity that will be on the agenda in January. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's all good, because it's not all good, but it's pretty good. Um, and, of course, there was a lot of success during the special session in Florida where they clamped down on all of these vaccine mandates. So we're headed in the right direction, but it's a slow boat to China. Yeah, and we, and we, got, a, we, got, I mean, we got the governor's election in 2022, which is less than a year away right now. We have Operation Red Riding Hood, where they're going to intentionally going to try and take DeSantis out. Matter of fact, they're succeeding. We've had more Republican registrations than Democrats for the first time in years, and that's by design. Okay, that's by design. So, if you if you if you start looking at a forensic audit and you bring up ballot harvesting, and you know that you're you're, you're giving DeSantis will not be reelected. Well, it's certainly. I mean, you're it, it, it certainly would be um, exposing the uh, antics of not so much DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis is not guilty of ballot harvesting. Um, no, but, but you're going to you're take the Republican Party, if that's true. And, and, and the Democrats, I mean, they've been doing this for years, of course. I mean, it's wrong on both sides. You know, right is right, wrong is wrong. Very simple. But when you start having, when you put your time and effort into that, Right before an election, 11 months before a major election, you might as well just hand the Democrats the governorship. Well, see, I, I have a different take on this, Mike. I understand where you're coming from, though. I, I do. Um, to, me, to me, the greater good is achieved um, with a full forensic audit because that will ultimately lead to a compelling argument that we have to get rid of the machines. We're not going to get rid of the machines. We're not going to get rid of the machines otherwise. And you, you and I have had this conversation. Um, and I think right. that if we drill down, if we drill down a little bit, um, we're going to find that whatever five-year contract uh, was entered into by the Secretary of State of Florida with Dominion and these other companies, that five-year contract really doesn't become that important because I think a case is then made that there's a breach of contract. And so that five-year contract can be nullified 
and we can get rid of the machines. But you're not going to you're not going to prevail with that remedy unless there's a full audit. The fact that um, the fact that ballot harvesting um, becomes um, exposed as both parties, both Democrats and Republicans, engaging right. in it, I think that's really secondary. And I and I also believe that if they do pass the law making ballot harvesting a felony, that both parties are going to be deterred from engaging in that any further. So, so I don't see that the um, I don't see that the audit is going to do more damage than 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 help. Well, I, I do agree with you. I think we've got to, we've got to get rid of the machines because they've been proven to be able to switch votes, and that's very problematic because now you're giving the now you give Dominion the say in who's going to be your governor, who's going to be your president, who's going to be your congressman, as opposed to the people. And it's just like Stalin said. It's not who votes, it's who counts the votes. And that's what Dominion does. Now, if they paid everybody off, which I'm sure they have, and there's, there's a lot more... I, I mean, you, you, you're looking at corruption on both sides of the aisle. Republicans as well as Democrats. And, and you're going to need some sort of task force, like, like an FBI, ter- like a terrorism task force, you know, a, a voter fraud task force to really dig down and get to the bottom of it and weed out all the corrupt players. And I don't see that happening in the Biden Justice Department. No, not in the Biden Justice Department, but you, you do have to give credit where credit is due. Um, Governor DeSantis did uh, provide and, and will and will provide for a beefed up investigatory uh, team that's dedicated from the from the state attorney general's office is going to be a dedicated department that's going to be focused totally on election integrity. We've never had that before. So they're actually going to enforce the law. It's it's enforcing the law um, that's going to be the key. The, the laws the laws themselves are pretty much being tightened up, but being able to enforce those laws. Um, is going to be a benefit. So I, I think, like I said before, we are headed in the right direction. Um, my concern is that the bad guys, if you, uh, for, for lack of a better word, the, the, the evil forces that are out there that uh, would want those machines to be there next November, they're trying to play out the clock. You know, at what point in time is it too late to get rid of these machines? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show. I'm excited to welcome program. Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. So, Mike, the world is going crazy since the last time we've talked. Uh, I don't know what's happening. You see, your book is continually becoming the truth. And uh, as probably Vice President Harris will be soon, the President of the United States, which was prepared, was in your book as well. So uh, I guess your, your prophecy is coming true which again is not what everyone wants to hear, but it's happening. Yeah, it is. And we got a great guest today. Ed Lynch is a political analyst and I'm glad to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Ed. Hey, thanks, buddy. All right. All right. So so we're going to, there's so many different topics to get to, Mike. 
Uh, where do you want to go first? What topic to discuss involving? And, you know, it's interesting, Mike. I, first of all, <clears> you're <throat> banned on YouTube. You and I were banned on YouTube to talk about one discussion we can't use anymore, uh, and that's COVID. And then also, you have a situation where people do not like that there is another side to a story. If you are covering anything Republican, anything conservative, anything right, winged and you're a left wing media or somebody else they want it can that person to be completely silenced isn't that true mike yeah that's what's happening that's exactly what's happening and one of the reasons i wanted that on the show today and i'm glad he was able to make it is because i'm hearing different things in the political realms and ed like i said is one of the most politically astute people i know i'm hearing that they're going to replace joe biden by 20 january 1 of 2023 because they're afraid that he will be impeached and the stuff that would come out in the impeachment will sink the Democratic Party. So before that, they want to get rid of Kamala Harris, replace her with Hillary Clinton and make Hillary the president. Now, I don't know if that's heard anything to that effect, but that's what I've been hearing from from two different sources. You said yeah, it's a tricky situation uh, only because you've got, uh, you know, obviously Republicans are going to win the midterms. That's pretty much a slam dunk. I mean, look at uh, uh, the the inflation rate is 6.8. We haven't seen that in 39 years. So um, it, it's slam dunk for Republicans, knock on wood. And so, but the one thing is Republicans won't impeach Biden. It's not what Republicans do. Me, Republicans are a big bunch of cowards and wusses. So they, they're not going to stand up. They're not going to go after him. They'll try to play nice. And then it comes down to, it could be a matter that, that the situation is worse with Kamala. So right now, everything is still kind of up in the air. I mean, all the conspiracy guys are out there trying to do the best they can to, to spin a yarn to get people to listen to them, either on their podcasts or on the radio or whatever the heck, um, and or their blogs. But I mean, right now, everything is so fluid and so up in the air. You know, it's like people trying to predict elections, other than me saying that, uh, you know, Republicans are going to win pretty big in, in, um, in 2022. Uh, it, we're way too early to, to look at anything as far as what could possibly happen. Yeah. And what can possibly happen again, who knows another pandemic, right. Or a world war three. There's just so many different things and components before the midterm elections uh, take place. And what do you, so you're seeing that people are talking that it's going to be soon that Biden is going to resign. Is that a possibility? Well, the issue with Biden resigning is, and again, everything is has its, its good points and its bad points. So, for example, Biden resigns um, and then they don't go after him with the 25th. So then they're going to, why would he resign? He can't resign in shame. He can't resign for any other reason except for his health. If he resigns for his health, everyone's going to go, I told you so. He was just a puppet that was put up there from the beginning. The issue that they have is Kamala is way less popular than Biden could ever hope to not be. And so Democrats are looking at, at a massive loss coming in 2024 if they go with Kamala. So they're really they, they kind of screwed themselves over when they picked when they picked Biden. So they may have to ride this one out with him. I'm pretty confident Republicans are not going to. Uh, impeach anyone, you know, him or they just don't do that. It, it's not Republicans and how they 
work. So, like I said, they're a big bunch of cowards. They had the opportunity when Trump first got in. They had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They did nothing, just like uh, Democrats for the most part. But now Democrats are trying to get past everything they want.